Welcome to East Brainerd, everybody. Glad that you are here this morning. What is a Thanksgiving weekend, right? Can you hear me in the back, back there? That's what I want to know this morning. Can you hear me? Hey, isn't it nice to be able to hear a little better? Uh, if you haven't noticed, we have a new uh, sound system, new speaker system that is installed. Uh, we tried not to put it over anybody that might be injured if it fell, but I think you guys are, I think you're all right right here. It's going to be fine. Don't have to worry about it, but we are, uh, we're thankful to be able to hear a little better. The system that had been here had been here since 2004, uh, and so there were some dead spots that were here in the auditorium. There were times where individuals were speaking you could not hear, and uh, we've had issues when it comes to the uh, sound underneath the balcony, and we've hopefully been able to take care of all of that, and so we're excited uh, to be able to use the new system, and hopefully it's going to be something that will be a blessing for us for, uh, for, many years, for many years to come. We have a lot of people who are already traveling for Thanksgiving. Please be sure to keep everyone in your prayers, as we're going to have a lot that are traveling. If you are going off this week, please be safe. And uh, don't forget, if your kids are away at uh, the fall retreat, to come and make sure you take them home before you leave today. Uh, as far as we know, all of the teens are going to be returning. We're not going to leave anybody up there. They're all going to be coming back. And so they should be coming back around 1130, something like that. And uh, so make sure that you're able to um, get your kiddo. And we're thankful for all of those who went up to be a part of the youth retreat uh, here this last, uh, this last weekend. Uh, you know, throughout the ages, Christians have historically referred to communion as the Eucharist. But that's really not a word that our Christian tradition uses that often. And in fact, if I were to poll you guys as an audience, maybe it would be few of you that would actually know that the word Eucharist comes from a Greek word that means thanksgiving. That's what it means. When you hear people talk about the Eucharist, it's like, what, what, what is that? And why is that word used in context with communion? Well, it comes from a word that means thanksgiving. Now, Eucharist we're not familiar with, but thanksgiving... Man, we are familiar with Thanksgiving, right? I mean, that's a word that we understand. We have our Thanksgiving turkey, we have our Thanksgiving dressing, and, and we go and sit around the Thanksgiving table. And how many of you have Thanksgiving pants, right? Steve Kahn says yes, right? You, you got your Thanksgiving pants. I mean, you're already thinking, what am I going to wear on Thursday, right? What am I going to wear? Because you've got to be comfortable. Right? You've got to be comfortable. And, and, and some of you have, you know, the, the one trip to the Thanksgiving table pants. And some of you have the two trips to the Thanksgiving table pants. And then some of you, you just wear your pajama pants because you're sleeping after it's done. Right? You, you're just going to go and, and you just map it out. You get your plate. And they're like, don't you want to come sit at the table? No, the sofa is just fine. I'll be right over here. And if you're looking for me in four hours, I'll still be right right here. We know Thanksgiving, but Eucharist, well, well, that's Thanksgiving with a little t. And long before our nation ever began to sit down around the table with sweet potato casseroles and pumpkin pies, the followers of Jesus had their own tradition of thankfulness. And believe it or not, it was a lot more like your Nana's Thanksgiving dinner than perhaps your church's Lord's Supper. You've heard that term, right? Lord's Supper? Lord's Supper. That's the wording that Paul used one time. There in your Bible, once. 
One time in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul used it when addressing a meal of inequity that was being shared by the disciples living in the city of Corinth. You see, the followers of Jesus were sharing an evening dinner with each other, but they were not waiting on the whole church to come and, and assemble. A dinner that was supposed to unify the Christian community and focus on their blessings, the blessings that they all had in Christ, was actually being used to divide the body of Christ. Their unwillingness to wait on the poorest members of their fellowship was proof to Paul that the meal that they were sharing together, they weren't coming together to eat, he says, the Lord's Supper. No, it was just their own dinner, just their own meal. According to Paul, their actions violated the intent of the meal. And so as a corrective, Paul pointed the Corinthians to an upper room in Jerusalem. He pointed them to, to the practice of Jesus. You see, the practice of the Lord's Supper was to be shaped by Jesus' original intent. The Christians in Corinth were reminded that their shared meal together was the Lord's. It wasn't their own. In fact, as you, you look there in your Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you'll, you'll see there in, in verse 20, maybe that Lord's Supper is, is capitalized. That's just something that translators have done through the years. There, there is no capital supper. It's just a word that means dinner, and it belonged to the Lord. It was, it, it was one that was meant to, to focus on the blessings found in Christ. And, and it was his supper. It wasn't, it wasn't just their own meal that they were sharing. Their eating and their drinking were to be influenced by the gospel declared during the Last Supper and not the Greco-Roman culture, the, the values that dominated their society. So here's what Paul reminded them. He said in verse 23, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. You know, I think we easily miss, as we look at the retelling of the events that the Apostle Paul lists here, we easily miss that the sharing of bread and cup was not the only thing that was happening that night in the borrowed room in Jerusalem. You know, to read through Paul here, you would think that, that Jesus got his closest followers together for a snack of matzah bread and grape juice. In fact, that's kind of how our minds have been conditioned to, to read through these verses. We, we read them through the lens of our own practice and the way that we are used to seeing communion. And we envision this quiet, solemn moment with Jesus standing there in front of his disciples, telling them in hushed tones to take a, a small piece of cracker and a thimble of juice. And we have missed, we have missed actually what took place that night. And in doing so, I believe that we have missed the thanksgiving of Jesus. We have missed his supper. We have missed his thanksgiving dinner. For 1,500 years, God's people had a string that was tied around their hearts so that they would be able to remember where they had come from and, and who they belonged to. The meal is called Passover. And within that meal, it involved the eating of bitter herbs to re, to remind those around the table of the bitterness of the years of slavery. It also included the eating of bread without yeast to remind them of the speed at, at which they, they needed to leave Egypt. There was a lamb that was sacrificed, and, 
It was a reminder of the blood that was spread over the doorpost of the home so that when the destroyer sent from God came, he would pass over those homes. The participants in the meal would share wine and, and song together. They would join in the retelling of the Passover narrative and apply its significance. And they would conclude with these words. He has brought us out from bondage to freedom, from sorrow to gladness, and from mourning to a festival day, and from darkness to great light, and from servitude to redemption. So let us say before him the hallelujah, the praise the Lord. You see, it was a time of intentional remembrance. It was a time of, of joyful celebration. It was a moment that, that year after year and ancestor after ancestor, all of these Jews would participate in, all of these Hebrew peoples, and they would participate in it as if they themselves had been marched right out of Egypt, even though it was something that happened centuries before. You see, every year when the Jewish calendar announced the arrival of the 14th day of the first month, the city of Jerusalem would swell, scholars say, to over 100, 000, or 100 or 1 million people, and there would be over 100,000 lambs that would be sacrificed during that time. And when the smells of the blood and the burning animals filled the air, the people would be reminded of their sinfulness, but they would also be reminded of the goodness of their God. The Passover meal was and is a memorial characterized by praise and, and joy and, and thanksgiving. The Passover does not memorialize the Exodus as a dirge or a, a funeral march. It's exactly the opposite. It's a celebration of God's redemption. It's a time of praise and joy. And it's also an occasion filled with the anticipation of the coming Messiah. See, it was expected that the Messiah would come, the Jewish people felt, during that festival time. And even today is a tradition for a child to open up the door after Passover supper to see if the prophet Elijah could perhaps be standing outside. You say, well, why would that happen? Well, it's because in the prophet Malachi, it is said that Elijah would come to be the herald of the Messiah. Now, now, now we sit and we think about things through, through our Jesus follower lens and and we remember the coming of John the Baptist and how he came in the tradition of the old prophets and, and how he, he was wondered, is he Elijah? Who, who is this that's coming? Because perhaps he could be the one who is heralding the Messiah. And guess what? He was. But even to this day, the Jews will go and look at the door to see if Elijah is there. See, for thousands of years, the Jewish people have believed that God would once again send redemption at Passover. And so it's in this setting of remembrance, it's in, it's in this setting of, of thanksgiving and anticipation that Jesus and his disciples, well, they gather in an upper room. And you can read about that upper room experience in, in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right there at the beginning of your New Testament. But it's Luke's Gospel that I think paints one of the most vivid pictures of the evening. Jesus told his friends, I have eagerly desired, I have eagerly desired to have this meal with you. In the original language, the same word is actually used twice. Jesus is saying, with desire, with great desire, with double desire, I am wanting to have this Passover time. It was not going to be a routine Passover meal. It was significant to Jesus, and he passionately wanted to share it. Now, it is at this time that Jesus would begin to retell the redemption story. He would narrate the, the, the leading out of, 
uh, of Egypt and, and be able to then talk about why it had importance in the lives of his disciples and, and remind them that to remember here in the present is to experience that past event as if, as if you took part in it. The first and second cups of wine would follow and then the breaking of the bread and the Passover meal itself. After the meal, you would have the third and fourth cups of wine shared. And, and you, you can see as you read through Luke chapter 22 how that Luke follows a similar narrative as he gives highlights of what is taking place there in the room. Matthew and Mark tell of the singing of the Hillel Psalms in Matthew 26 and Mark 14. In John chapter 13, John describes Jesus washing the disciples' feet. His focus is not so much on what is taking place there at the table and the food that is there, but it's what's going on around the table. And then each gospel writer shares various conversations that take place while the band of brothers recline there around that table. And it was in this setting that Jesus reinterpreted the meaning of their time together in light of the coming kingdom. This is where Jesus says, this is my body. This cup is my blood. Experience me fully while you eat and while you drink. See, that night, Jesus instituted a Thanksgiving dinner where his people would remember him. And his model for the dinner was the, was the, the sacrificial meals of the Hebrew calendar. In particular, he instituted what we refer to as Eucharist, as communion, as the Lord's Supper. He instituted his own supper in the context of the Passover meal. It was a meal that they were sharing together. It wasn't just bread. It wasn't just wine that Jesus repurposed that night. And like the full meals of the Old Testament festivals and the, the future messianic banquet, the new heaven and the new earth, the first followers of Jesus regularly participated in the sharing of full meals. These were thanksgiving meals, thanksgiving for God's redemptive acts through the person of Jesus Christ. So let's kind of bring this full circle to, to where we started there in Corinth. See, the Corinthians had continued in the tradition of sharing a meal in thanksgiving of God's redemption. But they had missed Jesus. They had missed Jesus as evidenced by their lack of concern for one another. See, to do this in remembrance of me proclaims the good news of the gospel. It proclaims how the Lord's death has broken down all social and, and racial and gender barriers. It proclaims unity within the body of Christ. So Paul tells the Corinthians to continue with their meals, but to wait until everyone has arrived before they ate the dinner. He said, look, if you're so hungry that you can't wait on everybody, then just, just eat something at home before you all gather together. Wait for each other. The Thanksgiving supper was to be for the entire church body. You see, that meal that they were sharing together, the, the Lord's Supper, it had a purpose beyond the simple practice of the event. It wasn't just going through the motions. It wasn't just passing some trays. It, it wasn't just taking some emblems, but it was sharing in the thanksgiving of God. Remembrance and thanksgiving and celebration of Jesus was to be a shared communal experience. It was a Thanksgiving dinner. It was the Lord's Supper. And it was a social and celebratory event. Though it might sound strange knowing the way that, that many disciples of Jesus structure and observe that very Lord's Supper today. And I think it's here where we just need to ask the question. Friends, have we missed Jesus? 
Have we missed the thanksgiving that he shared with those first disciples and that he wants to share with us even today? You know, each week as a church body, we participate in our own version of the Lord's Supper. Though it can hardly be recognized in both structure and intent with, when it's compared to the original. We have inherited from our spiritual ancestors an altar mentality that approaches the Eucharist, the thanksgiving, the, the communion with penance and confession of sin. We come to the altar or we think of the cross with our guilt and remorse as we thoroughly consider the sacrifice of Jesus. And we have been taught from childhood that we approach this time in silent, contemplative prayer or meditation. And no one talks while they eat or drink and, and nobody looks around to others. One might pray here with bowed head. One might read scripture there. The altar for us is a time for private, silent meditation on the cross of Christ. And while it sounds very spiritual, and it feels very holy, and to be sure, there are occasions for this type of reflection. The biblical record describes communion not as altar, but as table. In both the upper room of the Gospels Passover story and the homes that are depicted with the disciples in Acts, believers in Jesus gathered for a meal with one another where they shared food and they shared themselves. The table, the, the meal was an interactive event where people talked with each other and they, they fellowshiped each other. They not only shared their food, but they shared their lives as well. Rather than a time for private introspection, the table was a, a public, expressive, and communal event. Rather than an atmosphere of sorrow and remorse, people experienced the table with, with joy and peace, and they knew you were invited to the table of the Lord. Rather than feeling sadness for what Christ had to do on the cross, the table was a a celebrated Thanksgiving meal for what God did through Christ. It was the Lord's Supper. It was his Thanksgiving meal. And there's definitely a connection. There's definitely a connection between altar, between the idea of the cross and the table and communion. At the table, we celebrate the benefits of the altar. But understand, no table in the Old Testament or New Testament is burdened with sadness. Tables, as you read through Scripture, are always about reconciliation and peace and joy. We remember what Christ did, but we do not remember with remorse and sadness. We remember with thanksgiving and joy, and we give thanks for the body and blood of Christ because our Savior died and we have been forgiven. That's a great thing. But throughout time, our gathering places through the years became more conducive for lecture than table. I mean, just think about the different churches that you've been a part of and the, the, the gathering locations that you have been at. Think, think about the way in which the room was structured. Was it structured to be able to enjoy fellowship and thanksgiving with each other? Or was it focused on whoever was on the stage and whatever was taking place here? And maybe you've been at places before where after you had your, your worship time, everybody went to the fellowship hall because that's where you went to fellowship. You don't fellowship during worship. You fellowship in the fellowship hall, and, 
And that's where you have the meal. Over time, and in so many different Christian traditions, the idea of table was removed from the people of God, and it was replaced. It was replaced with something that was not intended. And look, I know that the form and practice of the Lord's Supper that we share is totally different from what I've described today. We all came in and received little baggies that have a little thimble of juice, and it's got a little piece of cracker or bread that's in there. And I know that too often the modern church has focused on the order and nature of these elements, the, the frequency of the supper and the other specifics, like how many prayers should we pray and who can participate in the communion and, and who can pass trays. And I think it's a way in which I believe the Christian community as a whole has missed Jesus. We've missed him. And while there needs to be more conversations, and while there should be more conversations about how we as a church family can move closer to the intended purpose of Jesus' Thanksgiving meal, I just want you to recognize one simple thing today. I want you to recognize that, that believers were intended to experience the table of communion as a shared time, a shared time of prayer and conversation about what the Lord has done for them what the Lord has done it's a shared commitment it's a shared thanksgiving it's a shared life the Lord's table just like your Nana's table should not be silent rather it should call us to engage each other to bear witness to to give thanks to rehearse God's mighty acts to to, to pray with thankful hearts and souls it's a time to experience community in contrast to withdrawing to the private recesses of the mind. Have you ever been looking forward to a Thanksgiving time and then, and then show up and, and realize that others have gone on without you? When Tanya and I were first married, we would go to Alabama for different Thanksgivings, and we would usually have four or five that we would have because of grandparents that had Thanksgivings and then parents that had thanksgivings and so we were always trying to say all right we're going to be here for a couple hours and and then we can come to and we'll be here for a couple hours and so we were always trying to uh, to juggle our, our thanksgiving meals right you talk about thanksgiving pants man i had multiple pairs right just packed them all you know here, here we go but i remember that there was one year we were running late and we were we were trying to get to one of the Thanksgivings, and we called ahead, and we said, hey, we're running a little behind, but, but we're, we're, we're going to be there. Just didn't want you to worry. You know, they're, oh, that's fine. No problem. You know, everybody's just now getting here. It's, it's no big deal. We go, and we pull in, and we, we walk into the house, and, and one of the first things we see there is, is the table. And, and, and it's all spread. There, there are all kinds of, uh, of dishes, and, and there are platters, but there was something very interesting about it. They had all been dipped out of. They had all been picked over. There was no one sitting around the table. There were people in the kitchen, and there were people in the living room watching the football game, and, and there were people kind of scattered around, and, and the leftovers were still there on the table. And we went in, and we're like, hey, did we, did we get the I know we were going to be a little late. Did we, did we get the time wrong? And they were like, well, Papa was hungry. Papa was hungry. We didn't want to make Papa wait. And so we just decided, you know, but go ahead, go in there and fix you a plate. Go ahead, go fix you a plate. 
And so we did. And Tanya and I went and sat at the table by ourselves and had our Thanksgiving meal. Now, I tell that story, and you listen, you know, and we laugh, but one thing that comes to mind right away is you realize that's not Thanksgiving because you don't just come for the meal. You come for the community, right? You come for the experience. You want somebody to throw you a roll. You want, you want to watch as somebody gets too, many, too much of that sweet potato in their mouth, and it just kind of starts going out the sides. Everybody laughs, and you're getting out your phone, and you want to take the picture, and it's just... You want the whole experience. You don't just want the turkey and the dressing. And friends, if you have been coming to church just looking for the bread and the cup, but you have missed out on the community, then you have missed Jesus. And that is what we have a, as a Christian community. It's what we have done to all of our people. We've somehow focused in, we focused in on just a little bit of what may be on the table and thought if you just ate it, you were all right. And we wonder, while many among us are sick and struggle spiritually. So today, we would like to spend some time sharing with one another as we give thanks for the body and the blood of Christ. Our Thanksgiving meal is going to look a little bit different today than what it normally does as you were here. No, we're, we're not about to pull in tables and everybody sit around. That would be awesome. But we are going to make it a little bit more communal in our time together. And another one of our elders, Steve Kahn, is going to share about that. But, but first... But first, let's, let's focus on the thanksgiving and the joy that needs to be present in our heart as we consider the fellowship that we get to enjoy together at the table. As we sing this song and as we offer up our praise to God, I would encourage you to look at those that are around you, to consider those who have, who have come to join us today. Uh, we have people who are at camp right now, and we have others who are spread out and at different Thanksgiving meals, but, but there's a group of us who are here, and, and maybe you came because, you know what, there's going to be a shower a little bit later for, um, for Hank and Isabel for, for, their, for their wedding shower. It's going to be at 1 o'clock. That's going to be awesome. Or maybe you came because your family's getting together for Thanksgiving later, or maybe you had an invitation and you were like, hey, I'll, I'll come because I was invited to come to this place, or, or maybe this is just where you always come to worship. I, I don't know. But here we are as a group together. Look at the people that are around you. Consider those that we are with as we offer up our thanksgiving to God and as we enjoy the Lord's Supper. I want to thank Chris for what a, just a spectacular message. And a reminder of what we are called to be and what we are called to do during this time. Um, so if someone were to ask you, what does the cross mean to you? Um, someone asked me that. I, our responses might be similar. I would say something like, you know, the cross means the grace, forgiveness of sins, and an eternity with God. And that's a great answer. 
But if I were to ask you this morning, how has the cross impacted you personally? Your answer might be a little bit different. So if you would, just take a moment and think about that question. How would you respond if someone came to you and said, how has the cross impacted you personally? What difference has it made in your life? How has it changed the way you think, the way you live? You know, Chris shared this morning about those first communion times in the first church. How those were times where Christians would come together in house churches and share a meal. And everyone would take an opportunity to share how Jesus had made an impact on their life personally. And I hope that we are doing that as a church. I hope that all of us are meeting in our homes with our, our friends. And I hope that we are having these meals and having these conversations. Um, but as you know, this is a large congregation, so it's hard for us to do that all together. Uh, we do it from time to time, but it is important that we do that, that we meet together in, in each other's homes and talk about the good things of, of Jesus and the cross. In a moment, um, I'm going to offer a prayer. And I would like for you to be thinking about that question. How has the cross impacted you personally? And after that prayer, I'm going to ask for a favor. I'm going to ask if you would be willing to give one or two sentences about how the cross has impacted you personally. And I'll, I'll, you can just raise your hand. I'll come to you with a microphone. I think we might even have another microphone. Chad's got another microphone. Um, doesn't have to be a long dissertation. Just maybe if you would like to share from your heart what the cross means to you. And think about what a blessing that will be for the other people who get to hear that. Just like in that first church. And it could be something as simple as, because of the cross, I no longer have to live in fear. But I think it is part of God's design that we encourage each other with how the cross has impacted each and every one of us. So please pray with me. God, we praise you this morning. Thank you for this opportunity to come before you, God. And Lord, we, uh, we are a family full of gratitude that you sent your son to die for us that you loved us enough to sacrifice your son so that we could be with you, so that we don't have to live in fear, so that we don't have to be slaves to sin, that we can be free from the judgment of the world. I pray, God, that we can be better at telling the good news of the cross. We love you, God, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, sister. Because of the cross, I have unconditional love for my awesome father.
because of Jesus, I, I'm free. I don't, have, I don't have to hate. I don't have to hold grudges anymore. I've been changed. If you haven't already opened your communion, please hold it, okay? <laughs> it's okay. Thank you. Uh, because of Christ, I know that I will see um, my father, heavenly father, and my physical father again, and my brother. Thank you, Brian. That's beautiful. For me, because of the cross, it's the, the key that breaks the chains away that hold me down in sin. Chad, there's a gentleman right here. Um, because of the cross, there's a level of peace with who I am in Christ. Because of the cross, uh, my parents are still uh, married and my family is all together. Because of God's wonderful love for us to send his beloved son to die for us, we are all saved and forgiven of our sins forever and ever. And we can live in joy and peace and love in heaven with our Father and our Savior. Thank you, Miss Fran. Because of the cross, I know how much I'm worth. I just want you to walk all the way back here. Uh, <laughs> after Chris said to look around... I can say this, because of the cross, I know for a fact that one day I'll be able to introduce my grandchildren who are here to my, to my grandparents who aren't here. And that means a great deal to me. Around the table with God's entire family. Thank you, Johnny. That was a lot of effort to walk back here, but I'm glad to do it. Because of the cross, I'm able to know God and know his plan and for myself not to wander, but to walk. Because of the cross, my weaknesses are made perfect. Um, and I love the verse about how um, his power is made perfect in our weaknesses. And so that's the beauty of the cross to me. Because of the cross, I have hope for tomorrow. Anyone else? Um, I'm accepted. I think in this world we yearn for acceptance and we're all accepted and none of us are alone we're never alone thank you brother hey Steve while I was here 
When I saw the Schultz, it reminded me uh, your Thanksgiving is going to be a little bit different this year. Uh, their son uh, has enlisted in the Navy, right? And he is right now in basic training. And so a, um, a prayer for him and for this family, I think, would, um, would be um, appropriate. Father, we thank you for, for our, all of our families here, and we meet in different ways, and then we go our separate ways, and we, we end up being at different tables oftentimes. We're, when Thanksgiving time like this comes, we, we look around and we see empty chairs where, where family members used to be and where we hope they can return. And so, Father, we pray for those chairs that are going to be empty today, and we pray for those chairs that are going to be empty also on Thursday and we're thankful for the memories that those chairs bring and for those people who are in different locations we just pray for their safety uh, we pray that uh, for Caleb that things will go well with him we pray that uh, for for all who who are going to be missing loved ones this Thanksgiving that your peace will be a part of that family and that everyone will remember that you do all things well. Father, bring all those who are away closer home in your time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, <clears throat> if you, uh, th I just want to thank everyone who blessed us this morning with, with being willing to share. And if you're not comfortable having a microphone in your face, I totally get that, and I don't want you to feel bad about it. But I just want to remind everyone that we don't need a microphone to talk about the good news of the cross. And um, we should be having these conversations one-on-one, -on -one, uh, even without being, being prompted. And I, I want us to, as a congregation, uh, grow in that way. So um, if you haven't already um, opened your communion. I'm going to offer one more prayer, and we'll go ahead and, and, um, and take our communion, and um, then we'll continue with our service. God, I hope that, I know, God, that you are looking at us in love, as you always do, but I know that taking time to share with one another about your wonderful gift is a sweet aroma to you, God. Father, I pray that we don't leave it here in the, in the building, God. I pray that we, we take this out with us everywhere we go. I pray that people will see our gratitude in our lives and that it will have an impact on those. Thank you again for your good and perfect gifts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, when the Passover bread is broken, there, there's a small piece that is taken and hidden away. And there are different thoughts as to why this is done. And some feel like it might be just to be able to keep the children awake because if they find it at the end of the meal, they get a prize. And so you, you break the bread and you, you take a piece and you hide it away and then there's something for the children to look, to look forward to. But Jewish scholar David Daub has a different take on it. And, and he says that during the time of Jesus, the, the piece that would be broken off and 
and hidden away was, was broken off and put aside because the bread itself represented the whole of Israel. And that piece that was broken off and set off to the side was, was done to remember the coming one, who, as we've already talked about, would be looked for there that, that Passover evening. And so this piece is, is hidden away, and then when it is found and when it is re- returned to the table and then broken up and shared with the rest of the people who were there, it is a reminder of the Messiah and, and his coming and the thanksgiving and the joy that is, going, that is going to be present. And so when Jesus took bread, and it says that he gave thanks and that he broke it, And then he says, this is my body. Understand what he was communicating to those disciples as he takes that piece and he hides it away as they already in their mind know this is the reminder of the coming one. And Jesus says, the coming one is here. The coming one is here. Now take and eat. It is a beautiful picture of what Thanksgiving is, is all about. It's, it's a beautiful picture of, of, why we, of why we come together. It's that moment then that we, that we celebrate, even today. It's that same Thanksgiving that we want to be able to enjoy. And I hope that as we have been here this morning, that I hope that we've been able to focus ourselves in a way that our lives and our tables will be filled with more Thanksgiving. So that as we are around the family table uh, this, this week, that maybe there'll be some conversations about Jesus that will go on as well. And I also hope that as we come back together next week, after having our Thanksgiving pants on and, and filling up with a turkey and dressing, that when we come together and we share bread and cup with one another, it won't just be just a simple taking of, of a piece of cracker and drinking of some juice, but there will be a greater sense and understanding of the community that we share together because we don't want to miss Jesus. We don't want to miss Jesus. We don't want to miss his thanksgiving because he has brought us from bondage to freedom, from sorrow to gladness, and from mourning to a festival day, and from darkness to great light, and from servitude to redemption. So let us say before him the hallelujah. Friends, if you would stand with me, we're going to sing Salvation Belongs to Our God. And as we sing this song together, I want to remind you that one of our elders will be in our prayer room that's just off the lobby if you need a time of of private consultation and and prayer. If you'd like to come before this church body and and, and ask for the prayers of this body because of something that's taking place in your life, if you'd like to declare Jesus as Lord and say, I would love to be baptized today for the remission of my sins, we'd love to celebrate that with you and invite you to come. Thanksgiving Day might be Thursday. Thursday. But we're getting ready for it today, and we get ready for it each and every time we share the Lord's Supper. May we focus in there. May we let that Thanksgiving pour throughout our lives so that we continue to celebrate all that God has done and the salvation that belongs to him. Let's sing together.